Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. We worship you, dear Jesus. We give you the praise. We give you the praise. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, the Lord has surrounded us. The Lord has surrounded us. Our security is in his name. We trust in you, Father. Some may trust in horses and chariots, but we remember the name of the Lord, and we thank you. Glory to your name. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise right now. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, all right. Get ready for an amazing time. Get ready for an amazing time. All right. So now, very quickly, once again, I want to say welcome to the month of May. It's a very special month. And as I begin um, the word that I have for you today, I want to start by saying that we must understand prophecy more than ever before at the time like this. Let's have a small talk on prophecy. You see, a lot of people, all right, have missed out on the leadings of the Lord through his prophetic word because they were looking for the spectacular instead of discerning the supernatural. You see, the supernatural is not always spectacular. The supernatural is not always spectacular. And because many times we have mental models on how we think God ought to show up and God ought to direct us concerning the future, we miss out on the simple but very important ways that he actually guides us. And this is, I can't stress the importance of this enough. I cannot stress the importance of this enough. For instance, our ministry, I say this with all sense of humility and gratitude, our ministry is one of those great ministries in the world right now with a deep spiritual root, root and vision. However, at the beginning of the ministry, there weren't so many spectacular visions. I wish I could tell you that I was caught up in a trance for two weeks, but nothing of such happened. Nothing of such. So he said, how do, do I know? God told me. Very simple. God told me. And I started. And I started. And you see, you have to have the discipline to be able to pick the leadings, the promptings. You know, I was teaching on this last year, and I called it inclinations. Sometimes they are inclinations. Not necessarily, you know, a full-blown open vision. Sometimes it's just a nudge. But it's at, it's, it's as authentic, you know, like the prophet on the mountain, you know, there was an earthquake and the Lord was not in the earthquake. And there was a rushing wind and the Lord was not in the rushing wind. And after all that drama was passed, the Bible says there was a still small voice. All right. And so never jeopardize supernatural encounters because you were coveting spectacular manifestations. This is so important. Let me take that again. Never jeopardize supernatural encounters looking for spectacular manifestations. For instance, in the history of the church, we see many examples of people missing out of a move of God because there was a way they thought God should move. There was a way they thought God ought to move. Or for instance, the children of Israel were anticipating the coming of the Messiah for many centuries. Prophets spoke about it. There were songs about it and all of that. But when the Messiah eventually came, he was the son of a carpenter. No interest in politics. And all of that. There was nothing naturally spectacular about Jesus. But he was the Messiah. He was. He was. And so they come to him and they say, show us a sign. And then he says, no sign shall be given to this generation, but for the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be. 
No sign will be given this generation. You want something spectacular? It ain't going to happen. Hallelujah. So we have to be sensitive enough to pick not just the voice of the Lord, but the way he has chosen to communicate his will and his mind. You know, I said all that to say this. Last camp meeting, the Lord gave us a theme. The Lord gave us a theme. And the camp meeting was titled The New Normal. The New Normal. And we were emphasizing, you know, the naturally supernatural life of a believer. That was our emphasis throughout that month. Or throughout that camp meeting. Now, three months after, the phrase, the new normal, becomes the most popular phrase in the news. Someone might have been expecting maybe a detailed prophetic message telling people, oh, in the next few months, the world is going to be locked down. Economies are going to be destroyed and all of that. And maybe that's the kind of prophecy you always expect and anticipate. And hey, I'm not saying that is wrong at all. But I'm saying God chose to communicate, you know, with us in a different way. And I dare say in the most important way. For instance, what are you going to do about the information that, oh, terrible things are going to happen in the world not too long from now? But instead, he gives us his word and consistently redefines our understanding of the new normal to help us understand that our normal is not based on the circumstances and the reports and, the, and what the newscasters have to say. Our new normal is found in the word of God. And so just think about it. For days, morning, afternoon, and night, you were hearing teachings about the new normal, naturally supernatural life. And so now that the whole world is talking about the new normal, let your focus be in the direction of the word of God. This is so important. Your focus is different because he prepared you. He prepared you. I mean, just, 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 just look at, you know, the teaching themes. January, peace. Masterpiece. A teaching series that we had never done in seven years of the existence of this church. The next month, a teaching series on healing. Not just did we pray for the sick and by God's grace saw many miracles. We taught on healing. Listen, we are prepared of the Lord. And so we're taking this month... To have a re-emphasis of that message. The teaching theme for the month of May, just in case you don't know already, is the new normal. We're doing it again. Hallelujah. We're doing it again. A powerful re-emphasis. Because God already prepared our hearts and we are going to remind ourselves. It's a reminder series. Of course, there are things, many things I'm going to teach in this month that I didn't teach during a camp meeting. So get ready for that. But it's a reminder series. A special spiritual preparation for the coming days. And I want you to take it seriously. Take it seriously. All right. Now, open your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. We're going to read from verse 6, from verse 10 to verse 18. And I just want you to receive this with your heart. There's, there's a powerful message here. It says, verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord. Listen, at a time like this, as you arm yourself, with sanitizers, as you arm yourself with information in the news, as you protect yourself by staying at home, as you apply all kinds of wisdom and pre preventive measures, I want you to add something very crucial and important. Be strong in the Lord 
and in the power of his might. Let your trust not just be in those preventive measures. You know, I, I was live with, with a pastor on IG, and he was telling me about someone he knew who contracted the coronavirus disease. And the guy is recovered, praise the Lord. But he came to him and said, you know, pastor, I did everything. I sanitized my hand. I stayed indoors except I really needed to go out. I did everything. Washed my hands regularly and I still caught it. And that's not to say that the preventive measures don't help. I'm just saying, as a child of God, this is the word of God to you. Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, do whatever you need to do. You see, I, I've, I've always taught you taking medical measures is not against faith. And I, this is not the service to explain or expound on that. But my message to you today is simply this. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then he tells us, he tells us why. I want us to read verse 12 first. We'll go back to verse 11. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Not all fights are physical. And if all the fight you know is to throw your physical fists, you're at a disadvantage. You are at a disadvantage. And it says we wrestle, but not against flesh and blood. Not against principalities and powers. Can I tell you something? I've been preaching long enough to know that even medically observable sicknesses can have spiritual roots. And I'm not trying to train, so I'm not going to tell you the source of corona. But this is what I'm just going to tell you. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Thank you very much. And in the power of his might. And he tells you why. He says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world. Sorry, I beg your pardon, I was distracted. He says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, in high places. That's where our fight is. That's where our fight is. At a time like this, it's important that you know where your fight is. And so, in verse 11, he says, put on the whole armor of God. I like this. I like this. You know, I've learned a lot from Paul. You know, Paul has a direct... Paul could have just been direct about this. Paul's message here was simply this. All right. He could have just told them, be righteousness conscious, use your faith, you know, and be ready to preach the gospel like never before. That's the essence of all this. But he chose to be dramatic in the presentation to create a mental image in their mind. You know, I learned from Paul, you don't have to be a boring preacher. You don't have to. All right. But that's, that's aside. He said, put on the whole armor of God. As you put on your face mask and do all that you need to do, he says, put on the armor of God. This is so crucial, children of God. This is so crucial. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And then in verse 13, it says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. It's my prayer for you that when all the drama and the shenanigans is over, you and your family will still be standing. In the mighty name of Jesus. Listen, you're going to look around and discover nothing was lost. Hallelujah. Nothing was lost. You will go through the fire, but you won't smell like where you're coming from. Because there's a fourth man in the fire. Someone is in there with you. You are safe. Your family is safe. You are secure. Your business is secured. By the wisdom and the power of God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And so he says in verse 14, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having the blessed breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts 
of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Can I tell you something? When it comes to preparing for trying times, there is what to know and what to do spiritually. There is what to know and what to do. You can do something. You can do something. And the most important thing I want to emphasize here is the protection of your mind and of your heart. And so with this imagery, these, these metaphors that Paul is using, there is an emphasis. When he says the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, he's telling you in essence, protect your mind and protect your heart. That's where the real battle is. Protect your mind. I, you know, I know many of you, you know, you had common cold and you were afraid. Since all this drama, everybody is suspect. Everybody is suspect. Everybody is suspect. You know, in fact, let me tell you this. Um, just before the whole, the whole world stood still because of coronavirus, I traveled to Dubai. I think I've said this before. And when I was led to my seat, you know, in the plane as I was returning, lo and behold, the person who was sitting right beside me was Chinese, was from China. You know, and the, the interesting thing is, someone was sitting on my seat. I was tempted to tell the person, ah, oh, don't worry, sit down here, <laughs> you know. But, but, but the, the hostess was already with me and said, oh, that's your seat, and the person left and all of that, so I, I sat down. You know, the host also did not know what to do. The hostess and the host, they, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do with the guy. So they, they came to him with all kinds of forms. Can you fill this form? We just want to know. <laughs> you know? They asked him, they said, where are you coming from? He said, Beijing. I said, oh, yes, Lord. Thank you. <laughs> Mataraboko shit. <laughs> you know? And all of that, you know? And... At least I was even trying. I went to use the loo a few times. The Yoruba guy by my side did not talk throughout. Six hours flight. You know, he had his mask on. He sanitized about 30 times. And when everybody in the plane was watching movies and all, he was watching CNN, Corona Report, throughout the flight. <laughs> and all of that. But I said, I, you know, I said that to say this. When I got home, of course, I, I tried my best, you know, to self-isolate. Then it wasn't such a popular concept. But I just tried my bits, you know, not to move around so much. I, listen, I know I'm protected of the Lord, but I was just trying to be responsible. And then something happened. You know, the classic African mother. All African mothers love WhatsApp, and they just share all kinds of information. So my mom sent me... Um, one information. The, the interesting thing is just before then, I think because I had been doing a lot of praying, you know, and talking, I felt sore in my throat. And then she sent me <laughs> this WhatsApp message. You know, then even the symptoms of coronavirus were not really known. You know, she said, it usually starts with sore throat. <laughs> so now I thought, okay, this travel history, check. Travel history check, saw through, check, you know, and all of that. And, you know, I saw the devil trying to play games with my mind. Hallelujah. And some of you, I'm saying this because some of you know exactly what I'm saying. The devil has toiled with your mind. And so the Bible says, the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation protect your mind. Protect your heart. What are you meditating on in this period? Okay, follow the news. But if that's the only thing you are following, you might be in trouble. You might be in trouble. Get to the word, brothers and sisters. Get to the word. Focus on the word. Focus on what the word of God says. This is so crucial. You see, in every battle, as you, you know, weaponize yourself, Put on your armor and everything. Another important preparation is mental preparation. And that's why in the movies you will see a general stand before his army, you know, and charge them and try to stir them up. 
Because you don't just win battles with weapons. You win battles with your mind. There is a mental toughness that is necessary to win battles. A mental fortitude necessary to win battles. You don't just win with your sword, with your armory. You win with your mind. You know, there's a story I read about two generals having a standoff. They were about to fight. And this general said, I'm going to defeat you. And the other general said, you cannot defeat me. And decided to give the other general a demonstration of how prepared he was for battle. And so he told one of his own soldiers, he said, look at that ditch. Jump in there and kill yourself. And that one ran faithfully and jumped and died. Told another soldier, run into that ditch, kill yourself. And he told, you know, when the others general saw that these guys soldiers are ready to die he thought oh the battle is not worth it it's not worth it <laughs> it's not it's not worth it the stakes are different when you fight someone who has nothing to lose it's a different ball game entirely there's a mental fortitude and toughness necessary for battles that's what what i'm trying to tell you mental fortitude it matters how you go into war. It matters how you go into battle. I read about one of the great, great charges a general told his army. He said, I know you are willing to die for your country, and that's noble. But I want you to go into this battle and make the other people die for their country. <laughs> you know? And you wonder how they come up with this stuff because they have discovered Beyond training their army physically, if you're going to have a tough and formidable army, you're going to have to read books on how to inspire them and prepare them. And by the privilege of God, as your pastor, I am here to prepare you for the trying times. Listen, we have to brace up. We have to brace up. The times will be more trying, but we have the victory. Did you hear what I said? Victory is non-negotiable. We always win. We have the victory. We always win. Always. So get ready. Get ready to win. It says, having done all to stand, when it's all over, you'll be standing. And we're going to gather together and we're going to rejoice. Listen, have a... Have you fantasized about how our first physical gathering back will be? Aye. Oh, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. And none of us will be missing. None of us will be missing. So this is so important. So uh, you, you, know, you have to recognize that in the word, you can prepare your mind. And that's what I want us to do. Prepare your mind. Look at Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. I know you know it. But you see, that's the point of meditation. Meditation is not for mere information. Meditation is to stir your mind and your spirit in the direction of what you already know. That's what meditation is for. Listen, there is a difference between knowledge and acknowledgement. There's a difference. While knowledge is just about taking in new information... Acknowledgement is about celebrating and appreciating information. It, it, listen, it has to warm your soul and delight your spirit. There has to be a consistency to it, a satisfaction to it. That's what acknowledgement is. You meditate by acknowledging the word. This is so important. Listen, listen. When, it's not fun and games. It's not fun and games. You have to do the word. You don't have a choice. You know, there were, there were many things you could have read in the Bible before now that you thought didn't really concern you. you, might, you so you know some things you might never really need to practice. Some people who had to take a stand for their faith even though the edge of the sword was right on their neck. You read all those things. Well, things have changed. Things have I mean, literally, faith is all you have. Faith and common sense, a little bit of common sense. There is no vaccine. 
at least for now. No cure. You need this. Pay attention. And so Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Why does it say book of the law? Because that's all they had at the time. The book of Moses, books of Moses literally. But we have, you know, a fuller compendium, right? It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate day and night. Listen, there are two very crucial things to learn from this. This redefines our, you know, our notion on meditation. We thought meditation had to do with the mind only. Oh, you just stay quiet, you know, and, you know, you know, some of us, even the way we fight temptations, when funny thoughts come, we shake our mind. It doesn't work that way. That's not how to meditate. It says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But you shall meditate. So how do you meditate? Not just by the activity of your mind, but by the words of your mouth. With your mouth, you direct your mind. You direct the focus of your spirit. With your mouth, with your confessions. Listen, let this month be a month of confessions for you. Declare the word of God. Declare it boldly. Listen, you fight fear with words. Arm yourself with the word of God. It says this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it. And then that's the second point now. The consistency aspect of it. It says day and night. Day and night. This is not the time to hear God's word and say, oh, nice, I've heard that before. No. No. In fact, as at the time this text was written, they didn't even have as much information as you do. So just imagine, maybe all that they were memorizing was the Ten Commandments. And they were not to be tired in declaring it with their mouth. They were to do it consistently. You have to have some discipline to this. Day and night. What confessions? You watch news day and night. How are you keeping your spirit in the battle day and night? That's the question I want you to answer before the end of this service. And so, as a ministry, we're going to help you. We're going to give you materials. All right. This week, we're going to have to use studio materials to record confessions. We have some already. All right. Um, I'm sure maybe after the service, they're going to give you the link downloadable link of confessions and prayer sessions. But we're going to do more than that. We're also going to have, you know, recorded texts from the Bible. And we're just going to voice it so that you can listen to it again and again. I will read some of them to you in this service. Listen, this is how we fight our battles. That's what we have. Hallelujah. Day and night! So that you will observe to do all that is written therein. It says, for then, for then, meaning there is a condition for prosperity in the word. There are things to know and to do for the world to prosper in your life. He says, you have to do it day and night. It has to be in your mouth. He says, then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. That's how it works. That's how it works. Then you will make your way prosperous and have good success. Meditate on the word. And we're going to do better than tell you to meditate on the word. I will give you texts to meditate on, like I said already. So here are a few of them. One of the first things I want to emphasize is, interestingly, something I emphasized last month. All right. Listen, on one hand, we don't serve God because of the things that we can get from his hands. There are a lot of people who only follow God because they're searching for a healing, you know, or they believe he blesses financially and all of that. We, we, we've learned to serve God for God's sake. And that's one of the most important emphasis of our ministry. God is an end in himself, not what he gives. The Bible says, you know, we are joint heirs with Christ. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. God himself is our inheritance. Not money, not whatever he has to give. God himself. We enjoy fellowship with him. However, 
it will also be pride or ignorance for you not to know or be conscious of the supernatural advantages accrued to you by your faith in him. The Bible says, they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. You see, there is a consciousness to have when you're going out there. A consciousness to have. You need to know, who, you know, the son of whom you are. You need to know. And so Psalm 103, I'm going to read from verse 1 to 4, start from verse 1. Psalm 103, this happened to be one of our anchor texts last month. I mean, two months ago, in the healing month, you know. It says in verse 1, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So listen, it is part of my devotion to remind my mind, re-educate my soul about the benefits that I have in God so that I will not fear their fear. Do you understand what I'm saying? It does, if I don't know what I have, it won't matter what I have. I must know what I have. Otherwise, the fear of the world will be my fear. The Bible talks about benefits. I know the Lord. It must count for something that I know the Lord. It must count at a time like this that I know God. Come on. This is the time to prove. This, this is not a fairy tale. This God is real. Go beyond testing him and trying him out. Come to a point where you can walk out confidently. Being assured of the assurance of, of the supernatural advantage that you have in him. David talks about benefits. Do you know about these benefits? Yes, he saves our soul. And we talked about that throughout last month. That's how important it is to us. All right? But dear soteriologist, dear student of salvation and grace, there is more to these things. You see, this is, this is the issue with the body of Christ. Some are just very transactional in their work with God. They're always about God who bless you. God is protecting you. And some, you know, in the bid to correct this extreme, don't pay attention to what they have in God at all. I want you to stand boldly and confidently on two feet. I, listen, you don't even have a choice. <laughs> you don't have a choice. Praise the Lord. He says, forget not all his benefits. And then he begins to tell you what the benefits are, some of them. In verse 3, he says, Who forgiveth all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? You know, I've told you, the theology about salvation and the theology about healing are one. You don't have to embrace one and discard the other. The same God who saved your soul, he heals your diseases. Listen, your theology must hang on this balance. He is, he is both savior and healer. This is important. And I dwelt on that two months ago. But now, verse 4, is what we want to emphasize. All right? You know what it says in verse 4? It says, who redeemeth your life from destruction? I glory to God. <laughs> glory to God. So, and, and, you know, these this two verses have been anchor texts for the past months. First, he is, you know, he forgives all our iniquities. He has forgiven our iniquities, summary of our teaching last month. He heals our diseases, summary of our teaching two months ago. And now for this month and for a time like this, you know what he says? Who redeemed your life from destruction? That's my God. He redeems my life from destruction. You know what that means? It means when my life is in danger, God is my help. When there is a plague out there seeking to destroy people, God is my help. When the news says a lot of people are dying, he redeems my life from destruction. Listen, this is a conviction to have in God. He redeems my life from destruction. Is that, is that your God? Is that your confession? 
This is not something to know in your head. Don't forget what we said about meditation. You say it. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. I refuse to forget all his benefits. He redeems my life from destruction. At a time like this, I declare that my life is redeemed from destruction. I declare that the life of my loved ones are redeemed from destructions. I declare that the life of my family redeemed from destruction. Glory! That's my confession. He redeems my life from destruction. I mean, the literal interpretation even talks about the plague of disease. When there's a plague out there, he's your redeemer. You, the word translated destruction, the Hebrew word, you see it repeated again in Psalm 16 verse 11, where he says, you will not suffer your holy one to see corruption. He's talking about the grave. You will not leave my soul in the grave. You will not suffer your holy one to see corruption. So he's talking about things that seek to kill you. Things that seek to kill you. He redeems your life from them. Life-threatening situations, life-threatening diseases. Maybe you're listening to me and there is a disease threatening you. Everybody's talking about corona, forgetting that there are other deadly diseases out there. And maybe you are faced with such situation. This is, this is the word of the Lord. He redeems your life from destruction. Ah, glory to God. Oh, I would to God that you will make this your confession. You see, your response to the word is important in this period. This should stir you up to stand up and pace the floor and say, my life is redeemed from destruction. Come on. My life is redeemed from destruction. I refuse to fear. I refuse to fear. My life is redeemed. I have a redeemer. Oh, glory to God. Uh, which leads me to my next point. He calls him redeemer. Not just savior, but redeemer. Meaning a cost is implied. When you're talking about a redeemer, you're talking about someone who actually goes in to pay something so that you can be free. So when it says he redeemed your life for destruction, it means your freedom was at someone else's expense. You have to understand this. Your freedom was at someone else's expense. I'll give you an example. The Passover in Egypt, all right, the children of Israel were, were right there. And something terrible was about to go across the land. Death was going to go across the land. And by morning, all the firstborns of all families were going to be destroyed. I should have said families of Egyptians, but you, you will understand when I'm done why I didn't say families of Egyptians. All families, the firstborn of all families were to be destroyed. But then God spoke to the Israelites. And I want to read that to you. Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, verse 3. Time is just running and I have a lot to share with you. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, there was a service about four weeks ago. I was done preaching, and then someone shared with one of the pastors that my sermon was short. <laughs> I said, me, short sermon? Ah, yeah. Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 12, verse 3, God speaking, it says, Speaking unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of the month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if your household be too little for a lamb, let him and his neighbor next to him take it according to the number of souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Anyone who understands redemptive realities will understand the analogy here. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of first year, you shall take it from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Verse 7. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts. And on the upper door posts of your houses wherein you shall eat. It says, when you have killed that lamb, you're going to take off the blood, strike or paste or paint the doorpost of your houses with that blood. 
verse 12. It says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Hallelujah. Verse 13. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the house where you are. And where I see the blood, I will pass over. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So I'm smiting the land of Egypt, not the Egyptians, the land of Egypt. Everybody there. Your, only, your exemption is not just, oh, I'm an Israelite. That's not enough. You know why this is important? Because when it all comes down to it, everybody is dis- deserving of destruction. The Bible says, by one man, disobedience, sin entered the world, and death by sin. Everybody is going to die sooner or later. Every one of them deserves judgment. Can I tell you something? The same thing that the Egyptians were judged for, the Israelites were deserving of. The Egyptians, you know, for many years, they served this God called Molech. And this God, it was an idol, a brazen, a tall brazen idol that they had made with an outstretched arm. They did a lot of atrocious acts. And then they would carry their children to sacrifice to that idol. They will heat up the idol. I told you the idol is made of brass. They will heat up the idol until the idol is very hot. And then they will put their newborn babies in the arms of the idol till it burns to death. And they will beat drums to drown the cry of the baby. They were doing horrible, horrendous stuff like that. Don't forget, the same Egyptians, all right, They did the same thing to the children of Israel. Just because the children of Israel were getting many in numbers, they started to kill their children. That's that's why they had to hide Moses, all right, in a basket and in the the ocean, all right. But they were killing the children of Israel for, for a long time, killing all their male sons. Praise the Lord. And now, the time for their repentance was past. Judgment is coming. But many of the Israelites, because they didn't really know better, or of course they knew better anyway, started serving these same Molech idols. And so it was only by grace that anybody will be saved. They were not going to be saved just because they were Israelites. They were going to be saved because the blood was on their lintels. That was their only security. He said, and when I see the blood, I will pass over. This is very important. A lot of people don't understand what is happening in the world. You know, I saw one very stupid tweet. Someone was saying, oh, how could this corona pandemic happen to the world when there are a lot of pastors? He says, religion has failed. I said, if anything, this proves the Bible more than ever before. (laughs) Are you joking? Are you not aware of the destiny of the earth? It's very clear in the word of God. Things are going to get bad. The world is going to be destroyed. If you think this is the worst pandemic and the worst plague the world is ever going to see, you are joking. You are joking. Praise the Lord. I mean, so there is, there is destruction. The world you are in, listen, listen to me very well. Every child of God must understand the destiny of the world he is in. This world you are in is destined for destruction. Destined for destruction. And so, what we teach in the word of God is not that the world, you know, will be in a state of permanent bliss. No. That's not the teaching of the word of God. The teaching of the word of God is that things are going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. So your security is personal. It's a personal revelation. You cannot affect what is going to happen in the world. You see, your revelation of the security in Christ is not going to stop the reign of Noah. The revelation is going to move you to build an ark. Understand the difference. So the fact that there is a rain going to destroy the whole earth 
does not mean the word of God fails. It confirms the word of God. God warned them. So your wisdom, I mean your wisdom and in your security, what you do is obey the word of God, build an ark. Watch your ark in a time like this. Because the destruction is for the entire land. You you're going to have to do something. Hallelujah, God has done something for us. You see, that lamp was a figure of the real lamp of God. The fact that because of the sacrifice of Christ, all of us who are deserving of destruction and death have been brought to safety. By the redemptive work of Christ, we are, we are safe. We are safe. We don't have to slaughter lambs anymore. Hallelujah. The true lamb of God, all right, has been given for, for our sins. And we who are deserving of destruction have an advantage. He redeems our lives from destruction. Can I tell you something? So you will discover, every good Bible student will discover that the theology for your redemption is also the theology for your security. Let me take that again. The theology for your redemption is also the theology for your security. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2 briefly, which we also dwelt on a lot last month. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 is actually talking about two things, at least people would think so, essentially, sanctification and justification. It says we were dead in trespasses and sins. In time past, we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that walks in children of disobedience. Verse 4 says, but God who is rich in mercy, for his great love already loved us, even when we're dead in trespasses and sins, even when we're dead in sins, has quickened us together. By grace are you saved, and has raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places. What does it mean that we are seated in heavenly places? Christ is seated, and we are seated too. Christ is our high priest. Our high priest is seated. And so what does that mean? It means, it emphasizes our righteousness status, all right? Our high priest is seated, meaning no more sacrifice for sins are required anymore. This, this is not the service to dwell on that. But the high priest, you know, in the temple of Moses does not sit. In fact, there is no seat in the most holy place. There was no seat there. He goes in there to walk. He goes in with a lamb to offer sacrifices. And it was serious work. So if your high priest is seated, it means the work is already done. The work is already finished. And that talks about the fact that you are accepted before God. It talks about your righteousness status, and that's powerful. It also talks about your sanctification. Don't forget it says you were dead in trespasses and sins, but now you are seated in Christ. All right? Meaning you're being seated. Talks about your victory over sin and its propensities. This is important. So when I ask you, what's your theological revelation about your justification? You say, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. What's your theological revelation about your sanctification? You say, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. Because if I'm seated with him, it means the old man is destroyed. The body of sin is destroyed. I was buried with him. The old man was destroyed. Now I'm seated. I walk in the newness of life. You understand that? And then when I ask you, what is your theology on protection? The same thing. Because the Bible talks about what that seat represents. In chapter 1 of the same Ephesians, all right, from verse 20 downwards, he says that Christ is seated far above principalities and powers and might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. So the seat also talks about authority over the schemes of darkness, over plagues, over disease. So when it comes to your security, the same message by which you are saved is the same message by which you are secure. Jesus Christ has died your death. And now he has a name above every name. And he has sent us to go. He said, I give you power to thread upon serpents and scorpions and over every ability of the enemy and nothing shall by enemies hurt you. 
We get to do that because, you know, Jesus is glorified. Jesus is glorified. For instance, you know, he was talking about something post-redemptive in Mark chapter 16, verse 17. And from verse 15, he said, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And then in verse 17, he says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. The same message about, you know, our salvation and the evangelism of that message is also a message on our security. If they drink any deadly thing, it's a sign that follows them that believe. It shall not hurt them. Glory be to God. It shall not hurt them. We are talking about the benefits. David said, forget not his benefits. And I'm telling you, he says, if they drink any deadly thing. Ay, 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 ay. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. He said, you shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. When we lay hands on the sick, we don't contract sickness. That's not what the word of God says. We shall lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Not that we contract the sickness, but that the sickness disappears because it came in contact with our hands. Listen, this is a month of revelation and meditation. These are texts. I'm giving you vocabulary for your confessions. Confess the word of God over your life. It's true. These signs follow me. If I drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt me. These signs follow me. I will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Praise the name of the Lord. Start meditating on it. Readjust your mind. This is the concept of the new normal. The fact that your experience doesn't have to be directed by prevalent occurrences around you. Your experience is determined by the word. So start embracing the word of God with your mind. Start renewing your mind with the word. If a patient with corona touches me, he will be healed immediately. Healed immediately. That's my life. It, now, to, to a natural mind, this is foolishness. But this is the word of God. I choose to believe the word of God. I will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. That's my life. So at a time like this, I'm going to take all necessary precautionary measures, but my faith is in the word. I will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I will lay, listen, when you hear reports that anyone you know is plagued with these ailments, remember this. Don't fear like you have no hope. Pick up the phone, call them. Pray for them, pray for them boldly. Speak the word. Speak the word. Hallelujah. <laughs> glory, 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 glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. He redeems my life from destruction. <laughs> my life is redeemed from destruction. Reminds me of um, Acts chapter 28 from verse 3. You know, Paul found himself in a place... And then all of a sudden, a viper fastened itself around his hand and beat him. And he just shook it off. And people were watching to see if he would swell up and, you know, fall down and die. And it did not happen. You know, the people started saying, he's a God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because there is something about divinity that has been infused into us. We are not ordinary. Did you hear what I said? You know, these are things that when there was never going to be an opportunity to prove, you know, you will hear this word that you will shout glory, glory, glory. <laughs> you know, but now you have to really believe it. We're not ordinary. Hallelujah. We are not. We are not. He shook it off into the fire like nothing happened. The people observed. Oh, there's going to be a lot for people to observe about your life this period. A lot of great things for people to observe about your life. So embrace the word of God. 
embrace the theology of protection. I'm going to read some verses to you, and then we're going to bring the service to a close. And I want you to embrace it with your heart. Embrace it with your spirit, because this is the word of God. Psalm 91. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, glory to Jesus. Psalm 91. Thank you, Jesus. Are you in Psalm 91? It says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It says, He that dwelleth. I don't know if you know any such person. I don't know. Do you know any such person? I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's my life. That's my testimony. Even at a time like this, I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'm not as susceptible as an ordinary person. I abide under the shadow. <laughs> I'm not susceptible. I abide under the shadow. People may not see it, but it's there. I dwell in a secret place. Glory be to God. It's not the lockdown that is protecting me. Yeah, I'm going to do what I need to do to be responsible. But listen, I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He says, I will say of the Lord. Ah, glory to God. You see, I told you, it is not just a thought to have. It is something to say. I will say of the Lord. What are you saying of the Lord this period? A lot of people are busy saying things about the virus. What are you saying about, about the Lord? The whole world is talking about the virus. Say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. You know what a fortress is? Those mighty buildings, all right, that soldiers have that protect them from the, from the ambushment of the enemy. The Lord is my fortress. He's a secure place of dwelling. Hi, glory to God. Glory to God. You know, if a lot of people, you know, feel vulnerable right now, the Lord is my fortress. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. He says, my God, in him will I trust. I dare you to trust in God. My God, in him I will trust. And then, I like the first word of the next verse. It says, surely he shall deliver me. <laughs> surely. I'm sure about it. I'm sure about it. Glory to God. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noise of pestilence. Do you know what pestilence is? I'm delivered from the pestilence. Oh, glory to God. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler, from the noisome pestilence. Listen, I want you to declare these words. Declare these words over your life. I am delivered from the snare of the fowler. I'm delivered from the noisome pestilence. Oh, glory to God. I wanted to give you 10 seconds. Declare that over your life right now. Hallelujah. You know, I wanted to check the definition of pestilence to read it to you. It's a deadly or virulent epidemic disease. It's talking about a virus. A deadly virus. That's what a pestilence is. <laughs> Corona is a pestilence. And in the word of God, it says, surely he shall deliver me. Surely he shall me. Don't you understand? Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the pestilence. I'm delivered. Glory to God. Look at what he says in verse 4. He says, he shall cover me with his feathers and under his wings I will trust. Thank you, Jesus. His truth shall be my shield and buckler. His truth shall be my shield and buckler. He shall cover me with his feathers. Under his wings I will trust. That's my safety from the pestilence. From the noisome pestilence. There's been, there's been a lot of noise about it. It's, it's throughout the news. But I'm delivered. I am covered by his feathers. 
And look at this, verse 5. You need to declare this boldly. He says, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that wastes in noonday. You shall not be afraid. God is telling you confidently, don't be afraid of the pestilence. You shall not be afraid. All right? You shall not be afraid. I refuse to fear. The word of God says I will not be afraid, so I refuse to fear. Declare the word of God. Once again, I'm giving you vocabulary for confession. It says I shall not be afraid. Oh, so I refuse to fear. I'm not afraid. 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 My words, the word of God, the word of God in my mouth has directed my mind. My mind is still and calm. I refuse to fear. I shall not be afraid of the pestilence that walks in darkness. Because under his wings I trust. He covers me with his feathers. Thank you, Jesus. I'm free from the plague. I'm free from the pestilence. This is my declaration in the word of God. Glory to God. He said, I will say of the Lord. Say of the Lord. <laughs> I want to give you more things to say. Psalm chapter 57 verse 1. Psalm 57 verse 1. He says, be merciful unto me and God is merciful unto you. All right. I've talked about that. You see, the structure for protection has to do with mercy. The mercy of God expressed in the redemptive work of Christ. He said, for my soul trusted in thee. He says, in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge until these calamities are overpassed. You know, a lot of people are trying to wait, stay at home, so that the curve will be flattened. You know what he says? In the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge. It's not enough to stay at home to take all necessary precaution. He says, in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge until the calamities are overpassed. That's how we're handling this situation. I take my refuge under the shadow of his wings until the whole drama passes. That's my strategy. The shadow of his wings. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The shadow of his wings. The shadow of his wings. This is an atmosphere of confession until the calamities are passed, covered by the shallow, shadow of his wings. Look at Psalm chapter 23, verse 4. Psalm chapter 23, verse 4. Oh, glory to God. Zundere bakate kipoku frendele bokura. Zundere kuraka zatorondere bakasuse kevenendosh. Oh, thank you, Lord. Psalm 23, verse 4. It says, Yet do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, everywhere I walk, every new station I put on, I'm told people are dying. I will fear no evil. I refuse to fear for thou art with me your rod and your staff they comfort me hallelujah I've got security in God I'm comforted at a time like this even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I fear no evil ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I fear no evil I refuse to fear if I have to go out to get groceries or maybe some of you are still being mandated to work I fear no evil if, even if you stay at home the house is not your security. I fear no evil. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to his name. Glory, glory to his name. I'll give you two more. I'll give you more as time goes on. Psalm. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take this one first. Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43 verse 2. Thank you, Jesus. Isaiah 43, verse 2. Isaiah 43, verse 2 says, When you pass through the fire, I will be with you. 
and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. Hallelujah. The rivers will not overflow you. He says, when you walk through the fire, thou shalt not be burnt. Thank you, Jesus. That's my life. When I walk through the fire, I shall not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon me. It won't kindle upon me. So he's talking about natural circumstances that defeat and affect others. But my case and my experience will be different. Thank you, Jesus. My experience is different. Psalm 125 verse 2, the last for today. After this, I'm going to give you a few minutes to declare this over your life and just speak in tongues. And as you speak in tongues, you see the visions of God, visions of protection. You create new and informed scenarios in your mind. Psalm 125 verse 2. I like this one. It says, as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people, henceforth and forever. Ay, ay, ay. It's talking about defense and protection. Hallelujah. My defense is not just some mask I put over my face. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, the Lord is round about me. He's round about my family. He's round about me. He's round about my loved ones. He's round about my friends. He's round about the members of our local church. He's round about us. Henceforth and forever. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809 996 7,000 Blessings